0: Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeubc.org. We are indeed a church offering hope. We are a church offering hope. I recently read a blog by Tom Rayner. Dr. Rainer is the president and CEO of LifeWay. Which is the leading Christian publisher and retailer. We have one here, not very far from here. It's an amazing store if you've never been to it. Mr. Rayner has become one of the most influential writers and leaders in Christianity as a whole. Tonight I want to read part of one of his blogs that he posted not very long ago. I spoke recently in a church that had a large number of college students. Indeed, the presence of the university in the town was so dominant that the community was best known as a college town after one of the worship services a young college student sought me out he just wanted to talk the conversation was not that long about 20 minutes in length but it was of sufficient length to introduce me to several facts about this college sophomore he told me that he came from a middle-class home in a neighboring state He was a middle child and had that quick wit that I noticed in many many middle children. The young man was a finance major. Since that was my major in college many years ago, we talked about the pros and cons of that academic path. See, naturally, since we were in a church, our conversation moved to matters of faith and spirituality. He shared with me... That his parents rarely attended church. There was certainly no expectations for him to be in church as he grew up. And especially now that he's moved off from home. Indeed, matters of spirituality were really never discussed in his home. At this point in the conversation, the young man fit well the profile of the millennials. See, I've been studying for several months. My youngest son and I are working on a book called The Millennials. And if you have not read that, by the way, it's an amazing book that you need to read, which includes a massive survey of the older portion of this generation. As a reminder, we date the millennials' birth years between 1980 and 2000. So I am smack dab in the middle of that millennial generation. So when the young man told me that he grew up in a non-spiritual home, I was not surprised. Our studies show that only 13% of this generation considers any form of spirituality important. Of course, my obvious question asks why he was in church now. What moved him from no interest in spiritual matters to attending church regularly? His response calls me to ponder. You know, Dr. Rayner, he began... There are so many reasons to be hopeless in this world. You can't listen to or read anything without feeling a sense of hopelessness. And I believe that we can attest to that in this room tonight. I started attending this church, he said, because I was looking for hope. Read that sentence one more time, Rainer said. I started attending this church because I was looking for hope. He then shared with me that he had visited several churches in his hometown looking for hope. His parents really didn't mind one way or the other where he attended or if he attended at all. But in each church he visited, he sensed as much hopelessness there as in, as in the world beyond the churches. It just seemed, this is in quotes, it just seems that a lot of churches are going through the motions. I could sense no life, especially no hope. The young man said our conversation concluded as I asked him what brought him to the university in the town. I should have anticipated his answer for he had visited the church where we were that day while he was visiting the school several months prior. It was the church that helped him decide to attend this particular university. I guess the young man said I found a church with hope. He said with a faint smile That's why I even chose the school that I chose. As I walked away, he asked me a question with total sincerity. Do you have any idea why there are so many hopeless churches today? It really seems counterintuitive. The reality is, church family, it is counterintuitive for the church to be hopeless. And I pray that our church is never in a hopeless state because we serve a God who is hope and gives us hope through salvation, through his spirit living in our life and the blood that he shed for you and I on Calvary, no matter where we find ourselves and how dark the circumstance may be and how confusing and tired we might get at times. We have hope in this man named Jesus. Church family, never lose your hope. You might lose your way, but if you hang on to your hope, you're going to find your way. You might lose your mind, but if you hang on to your hope, your mind will return. You might lose your family, but if you hang on to hope, everything is going to be all right. And I am thankful that I attend a church where hope is evident and hope is flowing and hope is felt and hope is the same. I see hope in each of you. I can look back uh, to many of you uh, uh, and I can remember the place you were where God found you. And I can remember the bleak circumstances and the dire need that you were living in. And now I see hope. I can see the hopeless situation that you once were, the hopeless person that you once were. And now I see a life uh, overflowing in abundance of worship uh, and uh, a life overflowing with the Abundance of God's goodness and mercy and grace and salvation that He has extended to you and I tonight. The screen behind me shows a message of hope, but what you were looking at is more than just a nice graphic that was designed a couple days ago. What you were looking at is a trophy that we must forever keep before us. We must always remember that we are a people that's offering hope. We can't cannot give hope, but we can offer the one who is hope. We cannot change your circumstance around, but we can introduce you to the man who can change your circumstance. We have the greatest hope in the world. We have the promise of the resurrection. Church family, we have Jesus. We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that might not be enough for you, but that is plenty enough for me. The things of this world might fail me. I can accrue all the finest things in the world, but none of those things will treat me like Jesus can treat me. I'm here. to testify that can't nobody do me like Jesus. Uh, He is my friend. You see... Too many churches are focusing on the minors instead of on the majors. Uh, Too many focus uh, too many churches are not focusing on the loss. Uh, In too many churches, critics are outnumbering the messengers of hope. Uh, And that's the way we've always done it. Mentality overrules uh, overrules anything else. And by God, it sure it sure overrules the uh, the idea that we can't change or we can change uh, our methods. Church family methods are important, uh, but methods will not save us. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, is the only thing that can save us. Uh, the church operates uh, in, in, in its purposes for two reasons, and how it operates uh, is the gospel and the methods. Uh, and only one of those two things is sacred. Uh, the gospel is the only thing sacred. Uh, the time that we have church, the day that we have church, uh, and the style that we have church is is not sacred and I know it. we might not like it at times but it's not even important. The only thing that is important is the fact that you and I are sold out to Jesus Christ. The only thing that is important is that His Spirit and the fruit of His Spirit and the gifts of His Spirit is evident in our life. We can have church on Monday or Tuesday. We can have church on Saturday or Sunday. We can sing Southern Gospel. We can sing Black gospel or we can sing contemporary like we sang tonight and it does not matter one hill of beans to God. The only thing that matters is that there was a people in this community who has made up their mind that they will live for God. They will serve God. They will put him first and at the center of everything they do. Church family, we cannot get locked into the things we like and lose focus uh, of the one who died for us. Uh, We cannot get in a routine and in a rut uh, and in tradition to where it blocks us out uh, from the presence of God. It is possible for tradition to block us uh, from His presence. I, I am for tradition. I believe in tradition. Tradition is good but tradition is not the gospel. Tradition did not save me. Tradition will not keep me. The only thing that will save me and keep me is Jesus Christ. See, I believe with everything in me that this church has the potential to be the premier church in our city. I believe it uh, with everything in me. This church has uh, the potential to be the premier church in our city. I mean that in every way. I mean that in outreach. uh, I mean that in social programs. I mean that in music. uh, I mean that in location. I mean that in finances. uh, And I sure mean that in gospel and doctrine because we have the gospel. We have the doctrine, the truth uh, that is spoken in God's word. Uh, I believe that with everything in me. I emphatically believe that we can offer hope to the lost. We can offer hope to the confused. We can offer hope to the abandoned. We can offer hope to the desperate. We can offer hope to the spiritually hungry and the people of our community who are in need of Jesus Christ. Church family, I know there's not a lot of us here tonight. I counted 47 people at the beginning of service. I know that's not a lot of people and it makes it hard to have church. I recognize that. Uh, but we cannot let that lose our focus. Uh, our focus is that we are agents of hope. Uh, we are agents that are changing the culture in which we live. Uh, we are a counterculture people. We are in this world. We are not of this world. We offer this world what it needs. We offer an upside-down world, a right-side-up Jesus. We offer a dark world, the light of salvation. We offer a confused people, the prince of peace. We offer the people with ugly lives, the beautiful lily in the valley. We offer the people that have no one to talk to, the best ear they could ever have. And we offer them Jesus. That is who we offer, and that is what we do. Our gathering, our connecting, and our serving each other is only hear me tonight, church family, it is only a product of our gathering with, connecting to, and serving our Heavenly Father. We can never gather and have unity if we are not in unity with the Father. We can never connect with each other uh, 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 like God intends us to, and be the friendliest church in town, like God intends for us to be, and until we have connected with Him in a deep, spiritual, and intimate way. I'm not talking about an acquaintance way. I'm not talking about I pray and fast every now and then. I'm talking about a Jesus who lives in me. I'm talking to Jesus who rules my speech, who rules my life, and who rules my motives. We can never be the church socially that we need to be to reach our community until we are the church spiritually that needs to be to reach our community. Our programs are great. The buses we drive are phenomenal. The Sunday school classes we teach are amazing. The ushers that open our doors are the greatest. The singers are the best. But that does not mean that they are more important than Jesus Christ. None of this stuff is more important than Jesus. Church family, we are about the King's business. We are about the King's business. And that means this place is for us. We live in a crazy world, a dire world, a world that is that is extremely chaotic and we need a place in this community where people can run to that they know that that place is for them you can go to target because it has it it has the groceries and the necessities you need maybe to dress your babies or to stock your pantry or to stock the cabinets in your bathroom you go to that you know target is for you in some ways and just like we know the stores in our community and the businesses in the community and which we live, we know they serve a purpose. Uh, the purpose of our church is to be for our community. This church, it, while while it is for you and I, and we need to gather together, that is very important. The church is not for you. You have already been washed. You have already been redeemed. You are now the church in a dark world. It is now your responsibility. Church family, you are a missionary. You might not can go to Africa, but you can go to that office building. You might not can go to Timbuktu but you can go to downtown Houston you can go to the east side or to the west side you can go where someone else cannot go and you can reach your community you can reach your friend group church family that is the purpose of our church this place is for people just like you everybody say just like me just like me. This place is for people who have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This place is for the rich and it's for the poor. Thank God I can come here. This place is for the black, it's for the white and it's for the brown. In prayer the, in prayer in this evening before service I was walking back and forth and I heard one of our Latino guys praying in Spanish. This church is for the multicultural. This church is not a white church. This church is a multicultural church. We are for all races, all creeds, We are for all people. The church, this church is for the educated and it is for the uneducated. This place is for the saint and it's for the sinner. This place is for the sick and the healthy and this place is for the who's who of society and it's also for the I'm sorry, who are you of society. That's why I love my church because the rich can come, the poor can come, the fluent can come and the non-affluent can come, the educated and the non-educated can come. I love my church. I think it's great that the, I think it's great that that I think it's great that my church is a mirror of my of my community. You will see black people, you will see Hispanic people, you will see white people, you will see rich people, you will see poor people. It is important that we match our community. If the church does not match the demographics of our community, we are failing as a church. We are failing as a church if we do not match the demographics of our community, and that means that maybe as leaders sometimes we fail. It might not be you. It might be us, but nonetheless, I love my church. Everybody say, I love my church. I love my church. I'm thankful for my church. I think my church is the best in town. If I was in high school and going to have a pep rally, I would throw the biggest pep rally of all pep rallies for my church. As Brother Gidrose did one time when they came here to preach, he was a cheerleader. He pulled out the pom-poms and he had us all standing up and we were chanting and cheering. And it was really silly, but the fact is, is it built morale. Church family, when we come to church, our morale needs to be high. We need to be excited about going to the church house. We need to go to church with the mentality that we are going to party. I'm not going to church because I'm depressed. I'm going to church because God did something for me. He forever changed my life around. When people see you, when people see our church, they need to ask, uh, what's with the party? What's with the happiness? Uh, what's with the excitement? Uh, I will tell you what's with that. Uh, we love each other. We are thankful for each other. We don't have problems uh, with each other. We might have differences of opinions. We might have differences of preferences. Uh, but we love each other, and loving each other causes us to lay certain things aside. And we love. We lay those things aside for each other, and we will lay our differences aside for you. We love you Everybody say I love you I love you Look to your neighbor and say I love you I hope you told your spouse that today too See people are looking for hope Everybody say hope Hope, hope, hope In the middle of all that's going on in life People are searching for a deeper purpose Amen Aren't you searching for a deeper purpose Aren't you searching for your purpose Don't you want to make a difference We all want to make a difference. We all want to leave a legacy. I'm big on legacy. I'm very big on legacy. We all want our obituaries to be long and full of substance. The only way that this can ever happen is by allowing God's spirit to to radically transform our life. You can make a small difference on your own, but the difference that we are called to make as Christians, the difference we are called to make is having the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ living with us. The only only way we can make that difference is by His Spirit living in our life. And I'll prove it to you. Romans 12 and 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Everybody say good. Now say perfect will of God, Amen. I now I, I I have several thoughts that I'm going to try to all pull together under this banner of hope. So 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 stay with me. We might weave around a little bit, but stay with me tonight. Uh, see what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Have you ever wondered that? I've wondered that reading that scripture, what is the good and acceptable? What is the perfect will of God for my life? Is it that I live here? Is it that I do this? Is it that I work there? Is it that I live and operate like this? I've always thought of the will of God like that. And when I begin to study this this week and, and, and set my mind towards the service, I I, I don't know if it's revelation or maybe I just woke up and, and, and realized the purpose of the scripture. But the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is that God's spirit is living and operating in our life life. That is the will of God. The will of God for all creation is that we be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is the premier will of God. If you if you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you don't have anything else to worry about. Yes, I know we worry as humans. Yes, I know that we have things that rattle us and that stay in our mind, and we have things that weigh us down. But the reality is, we don't have to worry because we have God's Spirit living and breathing and operating in us, and we know that He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. And when we're poor, He will always provide. We might not have everything we want, but He will make sure we have everything we need, just like Pastor preached about this morning. And some of the hardest times of my family's life was some of the most beautiful times. And we look back to with uh, 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 with the biggest smiles and best memories because God provided. Uh, The happiest time of my life ought to be when God provides in my life. The happiest time shouldn't be when Trent does something, when Kayla does something for us, but the happiest time in in our life should be when, when we can look to a specific point in a specific place in our life and we cannot take the credit for what happened. Uh, things that were so great uh, that I couldn't even take the credit for. And I believe that God is going to do just like he's doing that in our individual families. I believe, uh, hear me tonight, I speak uh, in a realm that we don't even see tonight. I believe that God is going to do that uh, for our church. Uh, this church will experience a revival that we cannot take the credit for. This church will experience provision uh, that we cannot take Take the credit for. This church will experience uh, an increase in finances that we cannot uh, take the credit for. You hear me tonight. uh, God is for this church. Uh, God will not leave this church. Uh, God's hand is on you, uh, and his hand is on this church. Be not weary in well doing. I feel like I need to encourage somebody tonight. Be, don't be weary in well-doing. The Lord knows where you are at. You, uh, maybe you can just lift a hand and just say, thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you for knowing where I'm at. Thank you for seeing me. You see, Paul described the good and acceptable and perfect will of God like this. Just a few verses after he said that we need to renew our mind. This is several verses I want to read to you, but it's, it's very powerful. So we'll take our time and we'll just we'll see what happens. Uh, Let love be without hypocrisy. Everybody say hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Our minds cannot be transformed. By the renewing of the Holy Ghost, if we are loving what is evil, we are loving what God hates. We must love what God loves and we must be against what God is against. We can be against what God is against and still be loving people. We can still be nice people. We, it is possible for for us to hate the sin but love the sinner. Society, especially the media right now, wants to change that and Christians today are living in fear. We are living in a cocoon. We're afraid to speak out. You do not have to be afraid to speak out if you know no, you are speaking the truth and love speaking the truth and love speaking the truth and love you may be persecuted but it will always be right to speak the truth and love cling to what is good cling to what is good everybody say cling that means you're hugging. I walked home this afternoon. Um, I took the kids home and Kayla home after church. And then I ran, to, I, I, I ran to the restaurant to get takeout. And when I walked back in the house, uh, my little girl came running to me. And she just gave me a big old hug. She was clinging to my leg. That's what we should do to the good things. whatsoever things are pure. whatsoever things are just. Uh, whatsoever things are of good report. Think on these things. We should cling to those things, church family. Be kindly and affectionate one to another. Everybody say, be kind. Christians should be Christians. Christians should be nice. Everybody say, nice. All right. All right. I think that point's proven. We should be nice people. We should be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, uh, fervent in spirit, uh, serving the Lord, rejoicing. Everybody say, rejoicing. Rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. Hey, there's that hope word that we've been talking about. Uh, uh, when, uh, When I was studying, my mind went to the verse that says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. When we are against the fallen, we are not fighting God's battle. We are to be for the fallen. We are to be for the brokenhearted. We should rejoice in hope rejoice. What does that mean? That means that my circumstances is so bad, but I'm rejoicing in the hope of my Savior. I'm rejoicing in the hope that God will not leave me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. We have that promise in Scripture that when we are down on the ground, we will get back up. The only difference between a Christian and a sinner is the fact that you and I choose to get back up. The only difference between a successful business person and a failed business person or business is the fact that that successful person stands on the failure and doesn't lie underneath the failure. Church family, failure is going to come to you. Failure is going to come to your family. Failure is going to come to your finances. Failure is going to come to this church. We all are faced with failure, but the beautiful thing about it is we have the option to get back up and rejoice in hope. We can be standing in a mess, but yet filled with hope. You can be standing in a desperate situation, but have hope and faith in Jesus Christ and the fact that he is still in control. Look to your neighbor and say, God's in control. God's in control. Patient in tribulation. Man, That I don't want to be patient in tribulation. Who wants to just sit there and be like, man, this trial is great. I'm going to hang out here. We don't want that. We want to hurry and rush through tribulation. But Paul said we must be patient in times of tribulation we should continue steadfastly in prayer uh, 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 distributing to the needs of the saints uh, we should be given to hospitality hey, everybody say hospitality that means we're friendly people. That means we like to hang out with each other. That means we like to include new people in what we're doing. That means we like to include the sinners in what we're doing. That, likes we, that means we like to include people that don't act like we do in what we do. Even though it might be awkward, I'm going to be the bigger person and I'm going to be hospitable. For some reason, modern Christianity thinks that being hospitable is only for the ministry because of Paul's writings to Timothy and the qualifications for being a minister or a bishop is 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 the biblical term. And it talks about giving and hospitality. But we are all to be hospitable. We are all to give to others. We are to be friendly people. Bless those who persecute you. How counterculture is that? How counterculture is that? Right now we have, we're in the beginning stages of a presidential debate, and we got people, man, they are uh, they are not blessing each other. We got people blasting each other on social media. We got billionaires and millionaires and politicians and businessmen, they're fighting like school kids on TV and on Twitter and everywhere else. Uh, they are not, they are not blessing those that persecute or talk against them. Church family, when persecution comes our way, when rumors come our way, when lies come our way, social media is not our bully pulpit we are to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ we are to be Christians even in time of persecution everybody say Christian Christians, Amen. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. The past few years, many of you know, uh, we, uh, we've all walked a dark. Uh, we've all walked through a dark spot because of things that have happened in our church, and specifically in my family. And in that time, I don't know if it's just me growing up or me just walking down that path and and it changing me. But I've made up in my mind. My wife and I have made up in my mind that we are going to rejoice with those who rejoice. We are going to cry with those uh, people who are crying. I have have friends who are so successful, I have friends uh, that are doing amazing things in the music industry, in the fashion industry, things, uh, just platforms. It's it's, it's unbelievable. One, uh, 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 one of my very close friends, he's in the music industry, and he faces a lot of criticism, but he keeps his mouth shut. A few uh, a few months ago, he got the opportunity to speak at a major, uh, at a humongous church in San Antonio, and he began to preach the baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And this was people; these were Trinitarian people. They did not believe that and at the close of this message over 200 people in San Antonio Texas were baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost church family I'm going to celebrate I'm going to celebrate others. I'm going to celebrate the fact that God is pouring out His Spirit in other places than just our church. Some people have the mentality that if it doesn't come from our chimney, that it's not smoke. Church family, we must be unified. We must celebrate other people's success. After that service, my friend, he said he was very, very nervous. He, he said he didn't really know what was going to happen. He was asked to preach there, and he said, I'm just going to preach what's on my heart. The worst thing they can do is not pay me and not invite me back. The amazing thing about it is is after church, the pastor and all of the pastors, we're talking about a mega church. We're talking about a church that has 30 full-time staff pastors, a big church. They took my friend out to eat, and he taught them a Bible study, and the And the lead pastor said, you have to come back next week, and we were having a baptism that next week my friend personally baptized 236 people including a senior pastor and his wife just four hours down the road God is doing great things And we can look at that, oh, well, they don't believe like we do and they don't dress like we do. You're right, they may not, but you didn't dress like you dress now when you got saved. It might take years. It might not ever happen. But I have the faith that he that hath begun a good work in me will continue till the end. I'm going to celebrate others. When another church is having revival, I'm going to celebrate that revival. When another church is baptizing people, we should celebrate that we should rejoice with people likewise when people are crying. We should be their shoulder to cry on. We should be the loving arm to embrace them. We should be, if we're able and fortunate enough, we should be able to pay a bill. We should be able to buy their dinner. We should be able to take them out. And Maybe it's not even a necessity. Maybe you can send someone off for a night, a husband and a wife, and give them a hotel room. That happened to me and my wife after all that was going on. A friend called me and said, hey, I just want to bless you here's the reservation here's the confirmation number you go and relax and have fun church family that is what being a christian is about that's how we offer hope we are loving people where they are we're not loving them hoping that they become like us we're loving them because god created them and if they change or if they don't change we will love them we might not agree with them but we will love them everybody say i love people I spent way too much time there. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. This is so powerful. If it is possible, as much as depends on you. Not if it's possible, be sweet. It's not talking about if it's possible. They're they're not talking about the other person. Paul is telling us if it's possible for you to be sweet, you be sweet to that person. If it's possible for you to not start a fight or not start a ruckus, you don't do that. You live a peaceable life. And And then he went on to say, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing... You will heap coals of fire on his head Do not be overcome by evil But overcome evil with good Everybody say, I am a Christian And I am going to offer hope to my community I am going to offer hope to everyone that's around me All of this is the fruit of a transformed mind We started this whole big bunch of verses I read Started at verse 9 And went to verse 21 in Romans 12 the uh, uh, when we talked about uh, do not be conformed uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans 12 and two. So just a few short verses later, it's telling us how our minds should be transformed. This is the fruit of a transformed mind. Everybody say transformation. A transformed mind results in the fruit of the Spirit being evident in my life. Uh, If the fruit of the Spirit is not in my life, my mind and my heart and my soul has not been transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, When the power of the Holy Ghost lives in me, it changes everything about me. That's why we repent. We do a 180 degree turn and we walk the other directions. We are agents of hope offering and teaching people how to repent of their sins and get baptized in the name of Jesus and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see, we all bear fruit. And the fruit tells the story of who and what we are allowing to control our life. It's hard to argue when our tree has rotten apples. We cannot argue that. We can try and cover it up, but we cannot argue the fact that we are bearing rotten fruit. Church family, we must pray every day. The old, uh, uh, the old Sunday school song goes, read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. A tree that's producing rotten fruit. Fruit is not a tree that's growing. A tree that is producing rotten fruit is dead. But if we are reading our Bible and praying every day, we are a growing people. We are a growing church when we are daily walking in relationship and communication with Jesus. When Paul says that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can discern and do what is the will of God, he doesn't mean that we should try to figure out God's plan. That's not what he means. It does, it, it, he's, he's not saying that because of this, uh, we will automatically know God's sovereign plan. This, as Scripture talks about mystery, great is the mystery of godliness, great is the mystery. Colossians one twenty six and 27 says, uh, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints. That's the people who has been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, To them, God willed. We're trying to figure out God's will for our life, and we're lost and we're confused. Uh, To him, uh, to the saints, to the people who have God's spirit, uh, he willed it. uh, He willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. That's you and I. We're Gentiles. Uh, When Paul was writing this, there was Jews and Gentiles. The Jews were the saved bunch of people until after Jesus Christ was died, uh, 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 was crucified, died for our sins, rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven. After that, when the veil was torn, the law was passed away, and we entered into the dispensation of grace. And now we, uh, Jews and Gentiles both can live in salvation because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, is everybody with me? I'm trying to catch everybody up real close for you. Okay, so to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory everybody say hope 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 i know that i'm trying to weave and tie a whole bunch of stuff together under the banner of hope so that passage of scripture i know it's real king jamesy and hard to understand let me try and maybe speak it in my language you might understand it some better if if you understood it better <laughs> or, uh, other way before just ignore this uh, but he uh, uh, but, it, but in essence this is the 2015 language uh, regardless of your background uh, no matter what you have or have not done in life uh, the confusion that you. Have lived with Has anybody lived with confusion before? Maybe I'm the only one. The confusion that you have lived with, uh, the purpose you can never find in life. Uh, h- how many of you can remember before you found God, you would lay awake at night crying, wondering what my purpose was? Will things ever change? Will my circumstance change? Will my marriage ever be healed? Will my kids ever act right? Remember those nights, uh, all that, uh, the purpose uh, you can never find in life, uh, all of these questions and mysteries, uh, the mystery of how was this going to work out? How is my budget going to work? work? How will I ever make it to heaven? Is there even a God? Remember these mysteries that we used to have before God found us and saved us. All these questions and mysteries are solved when Jesus comes to live in our heart. Jesus is the only hope. That's what that scripture means. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We we now live in the will of God because we have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our life. Yes, I know it's important what we do in life, but it's more uh, of more, uh, more than the car we drive and more than going to pastor. Pastor, can I buy this house? Is this God's will? Is this business decision God's will? I understand that will of God, but the ultimate will of God is that you and I be saved and baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, our life immediately begins to come together. It might not come together fast, but you and I can testify that at that turning point in our life Things started to come together. Addictions and bondages started falling off. My mind became clear. I was able to sleep at night without the aid of medication. I was able to cope at work, and I was able to make friends at work, and I was able to quit doing this and doing that, and all of that happened because Jesus Christ came in to my life. The mystery of life is solved when the hope of glory is living in our life. The mystery of this community will be solved the questions and the confusion of this community will be solved when christ in us christ in you the hope of glory is really living in them when the christ that's in us becomes the christ that's in them what we have in us we must transfer to other people we cannot give it to people it is only the holy spirit and a human body that has willed itself and become under subjection and submission to the holy spirit We cannot make people submit, but we sure can lead them to the fountain. You can't make your dog eat, but you can sure put the food out. We can't save the sinner, but we can sure teach a Bible study. We can't make them speak in tongues, but we can sure invite them to church. We can't fill this church up, but I can invite a person or two every week. I can't fill the parking lot up by myself, but I can put a business card on a car at Walmart and maybe that car and that parking lot. Will be a car in this parking lot. Church family, we must make sure Christ in us is in them. This is not an exclusive gospel. This is an inclusive gospel. And when I say that, I don't mean other doctrines. I don't mean postmodernism. I don't mean, I I, I don't mean the church without walls because straight and narrow is the path and broad is the way to destruction. When I say inclusive and exclusive, I mean that we are not excluding sinners out of what we do. We are not excluding sinners and, and we are not doing this. If you wonder why we do new music at church, contemporary music, we know a lot of people don't like it, but there are people driving down the road listening to Christian music, and when they walk into church, we want them to hear music that they are familiar with. That makes it easy for them to lift their hands and worship. That means we are being an inclusive church. We are including the lost in what we do. We might, I don't like all the stuff that we do. Lord help, and my wife does all the music. I know that. I don't like all the little dramas and stuff that we do at times. I think some of them are great, and some of them are great. Are just absurd, but we are an inclusive church. We are not excluding people from the grace of God. We will make sure that all people in this city hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it means we sing a Hillsong song, or if we sing a John P. Key song, or if we sing a song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet This Sound, whatever it is, if we have a dumb kids' drama, excuse me, a beautiful, I have kids now, they're beautiful. No matter what we do we are doing it for the purpose of of reaching people and including people to the same saving grace that is applied to our life does anybody want to have a church like that does anybody want to have a life like that we got to get past this church family. It's easy for me. It's easy for you. But we got to get past our stinking thinking, and we got to focus on the lost. Yes, it's important. We must stay discipled. We must stay fed. We must do that. But so many times we can't say we're not getting fed by the man of God if we're not taking a second to open up the Word of God. The man of God is our pastor. He is our watchman on the wall. He—he's he, not a cook. Look, he's not running a buffet where we get what we want and what we don't want. He is watching out for our soul. But we still have to eat ourselves. Everybody say amen. So we can look all throughout Scripture and find the hope of Jesus Christ. The hope. Of Throughout all 66 books of the Bible, we find that Jesus is our hope. In Genesis, he is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, yes, I'm going through all 66. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. And I'm so thankful for that. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman and redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In 1st and 2nd Kings, he is the Lord our King. In 1st and 2nd Chronicles, he is our reigning King. In Ezra, he is a faithful spouse. In Nehemiah, he is the builder of a broken down wall. What was broken in our life? If you want to read about a life being rebuilt, go read the book of Nehemiah. It will change your life. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is our Redeemer. How many is thankful that we have a Redeemer? In Job, he is our redeemer. In Psalms, he is the Lord our shepherd. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is our lover. In the Song of Solomon, in the Song of Solomon, he is our beloved fair one. In Isaiah, he is the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he is the balm of Gilead. In Lamentations, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the wonderful four-faced man. And Daniel, he is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. How many of you are thankful that when you were walking through a fire, you turned around? and realize that God was with you in the storm. God was with you. He did not leave you, but He was walking through with you. And Daniel, he is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. And Hosea, he is a faithful husband. And Joel, he is the Holy Ghost baptizer. And Amos, he's a burden bearer. And Obadiah, he is mighty to save. And Jonah, he is our sovereign missionary. And Micah, he is a messenger of beautiful feet. And Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. And Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist. And Zephaniah, he is our savior. And Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. And Zechariah, he is the fountain pen, He's is Belt and open in the house of David and in Malachi. He is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Can we celebrate who our God is tonight? Come on, somebody, let's celebrate Jesus. Let's have a party. Maybe you can stand on your feet and say, Thank you, Jesus, that no matter where I turn in my Bible, I can find you. I can find the type of Christ. I can find the Christ. Come on, somebody, give God thanks tonight for he wrote a sovereign word. The Word of God is sovereign inspired, and it doesn't stop there. In Matthew, he is the Messiah. In Mark, he is the wonder worker. In Luke, he is the Son of Man. In John, he is the Son of God because he is the living Word. In Acts, he is the foundation of the church. Our cornerstone is the book of Acts. I'm thankful for that tonight. In Romans, he is our justifier. In First and Second Corinthians, he is our sanctifier. In Galatians, he is the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is he is the Christ with unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he is God that supplies every one of my needs that I can ever have. If you need the if you need encouragement, why don't you go why don't you go to Philippians and you'll get encouraged? In Colossians, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's the God we serve. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is only one God, and we baptize in that name, which is Jesus' name. Jesus is the only saving name. In 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he is the soon coming king. How many thankful that he's coming soon? We don't know when he's coming, but we know he is coming soon. In First and Second Timothy, he is the mediator between God and man, meaning he shed his blood for us so that now we can live forever with God in eternity. In Titus, he is a faithful pastor. In Philemon, he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother in, in a time of need. In Hebrews, he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he is our great physician. I'm thankful for that. In First and Second Peter, he is the chief steward. In, in First John, Second John, and Third John, he is love. Everybody say love. And Jude, he is the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. And in in Revelations, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is Alpha and Omega. He's God in Genesis, and he's God in Revelations. That's all I just told you. I took a lot of time and a lot of effort to to do that. But the reality is, he's just Jesus. He is God. Whether it be in Genesis or, or Revelations, it is Jesus Christ on Christ the solid rock I stand on other ground is seeking sand so if Jesus tonight I want to take it a step further I know I've been long I know it's summer but I believe God can move here in the next few minutes if Jesus was all of that in scripture what does it mean that he is today is he your answer Is He your solution? He is my answer. He is my solution. He is my peace. He is my hope. He is my Savior. He is my healer. He is my deliverer. He is my daily bread. He is my provider. Whatever you need tonight, you can find it in Jesus. And in closing, I want to go right back to where we were this morning. Ephesians 3 and 20. Now to Him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. According to the power of the uh, according to the power that works in us. Church family, we've talked about what we do and what we offer but now can we say that's who we are? Whatever you need tonight, church family, your needs can be answered. You can be healed tonight in the name of Jesus.